welcome to another episode of the Deer Cut Seat. If you think about the apps that you use the most on a daily basis, you'll probably find that there is some sort of social graph. I'm talking about social media, messaging apps, even GitHub. Everybody uses social graphs in a way or another. Today's guest, Nader, head of developer relations at Lens Protocol, thinks it is the killer app for Web3. You onboard people to social, you crack the mass adoption of Web3. That's why they are developing Lens Protocol, a composable and decentralized social graph and also a software stack for building social applications. For me, a highlight of today's episode is Nader's view on content moderation. Social media is where we connect with people and where we create online communities. And that means communities of any kind, including communities that actively engage in activities that harm others. So what do we do with that? Well, for starters, you can engage in this community, the Dear Hot Seed, by liking and subscribing to the channel and do your part on user moderation for value-creating content like this podcast. Waiting to be shared across your social graph goes to this podcast with Nader, Developer Relations at Lens Protocol. This is going to be an intro to Lens. I'm the head of developer relations for Ave and Lens also the founder of DeveloperDAO. The Lens is a composable and decentralized social graph. And all that means is that it's kind of a software stack for building out applications that have features that might be considered uh, you know, part of what you would use to build social applications, as well as things like uh, messaging, uh, encrypted messaging and stuff like that. So the types of applications, that we're talking about here. When we think of the majority of the internet traffic in the world, they flow through social graphs. When you look at the 5 billion users around the world, you could kind of, if you went to each of them and asked them what applications that they were using, the the vast, vast majority, like more than 90% have used the social application. So these are the types of apps that most people know how to use. And therefore, the, I, I think and we think are kind of a key to mass adoption and, and the blockchain and Web3 space because if we can kind of onboard them into applications that they already are used to using but offer them a better a better value proposition, then they will end up kind of becoming crypto native just by the nature of using this app because then they'll have a wallet, then they'll already have things that are on chain and, and they'll probably you know be introduced to some of this stuff. Um, so when we think of most blockchain applications, they fall into categories that are not that useful for the average person beyond digital payments. Digital payments are very useful for everyone, I think, but but DAOs are not that interesting. NFTs are not that interesting. Um, DeFi is not that interesting to most people. Like it's interesting to us, but but if you go and have, ask the average person, they're just like, you have to explain a lot of stuff. So uh, again, social graphs I think are super powerful. These are the, these are the types of features you might see in many applications. You create a profile on an app, you follow someone, you create something, someone else follows you, you see the feed of content from the people you follow and vice versa. And then you often have a recommendation algorithm that provides you with new, inf- new information uh, that you might not have seen otherwise because people that you're following uh, only show you like a limited amount of things. These recommendation algorithms will start showing you new content, therefore expanding your social graph. Examples of these apps are Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and many others out there, including stuff that you might not think of as social graph like GitHub. So Lens Protocol just is a combination of a few things that allows you to easily build these types of applications. It's a set of smart contracts deployed to Polygon. 
on top of that set of smart contracts is a very high quality GraphQL API that implements a few different features that you can't get directly at the contract level. Like, well, I guess you can have uh, gasless transactions now, but you can't really implement stuff like a dispatcher, which provides a more of a web to UX because the average user is going to think you're crazy if you tell them to use your app and you have to sign every single transaction to post, to like, to comment, to do anything. If you keep having to sign every transaction, that's a very bad UX. The dispatcher is a key piece uh, to the UX that a lot of people really like about Lens because, again, most applications require you to sign every single time you do anything. But with the dispatcher, you kind of sign once and you're telling the API that it's okay for certain actions to be taken through a, a single kind of like API call that will come from the front end that's already kind of authorized within our API. So things like comments, posts, likes, and things like that don't need to be signed. So when someone's using a Lens app, it feels like they're using Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, the types of UX that they're kind of used to that's better quality. Also a huge part of Lens is that users don't actually have to have any crypto to use, to use the app you can kind of already assume that the vast majority of people in the world don't understand how to create a wallet and then understand, save their private key and their seed phrase in a secure way, and then go to some exchange, transfer money to that exchange, transfer those tokens that they end up buying on that exchange to their wallet, then moving to a different network, then bridging those tokens to that network, and then buying the correct token. Now, at AWS, we used to have customers that would come to us and say, hey, we need to shave off 200 milliseconds off of our API because our service uh, is providing the types of like response times that we think are losing us money. So 200 milliseconds shaved off saves millions or tens of millions of dollars for certain applications. And people in Web3 and blockchain think that people are going to go through all this bullshit to use their applications. They're wrong. Uh, only us people that care about this stuff will do that. The average person just doesn't care at all. So how can we provide a user experience that doesn't require them to go through all that, those steps? Well, it's, the answer is in my opinion, a combination of a few things. First of all, account abstraction, which we haven't uh, implemented quite yet any support for, but I think that's going to be a huge answer to a lot of this stuff. But in addition to account abstraction, you can do stuff like gasless transactions. But yeah, so basically a few of the things that we can do to kind of bring a better, more accessible experience to the average person in the world is by having some way for them to transact for free on our on our application. Now, this might not have been possible five years ago because transaction costs, uh, or even a couple of years ago, because transaction costs were 10 cents or 15 cents, or they were a dollar or even $50, depending on which chain you're on. But as the networks get faster, better, cheaper, and more, I would say experimentation is done at the data availability layer with stuff like Celestia, as well as um, Arbitrum Nova and, and even what Polygon is doing and what we're doing at Lens, we're now able to have hundreds of thousands of transactions that can cost the same amount as maybe a single transaction used to cost. So therefore, we can subsidize transactions at the infrastructure level, like AWS um, allows application developers to build free-to-use applications. We can also do that in the blockchain space. And that's kind of another uh, big piece of, of what Lens is and why a lot of people like it um, because of the user experience.
One of the big things that is a value proposition to users is composability. I can go into application that's developed and deployed on Lens, and I immediately carry around my followers. I have 5,000 followers in this slide. I never used this app before, but every single application that is built on the protocol inherits the, the graph, the data from the actual protocol itself. So when I post now to some new app, I'm immediately broadcast to every single person that's ever signed up for any Lens app ever. And that's kind of like really cool because most people are used to a new app coming out every couple of years that becomes the go-to app for a lot of like, you know, content creators. And then you have to build your entire network from scratch again. Uh, you lose everything that you've ever done everywhere else on that platform specifically because you have to then start from zero building up that social graph but with these shared infrastructure protocols like lens you can carry those users uh, with you everywhere and there's a lot more that i could go into but i'd rather now go ahead and get to some of the questions but the last thing i'll highlight is that we've built and deployed a couple of sdks that allow people to easily build applications so one example of that is the SDK called React Native Lens UI Kit. And I'm showing what that looks like here. This view that you're seeing is a mobile app that's built with a React Native and Lens UI Kit. I can change a couple of variables on in my code, which you can't see, and change the design of this. I can implement a lot of different easy to use features that are very powerful that might be used to build out like a real world application. So for instance, uh, I'm gonna go back and, and actually change the theme back to light theme. These two views can be built with about 10 lines of code. This view with the list of profiles and this view with an individual profile view can be done with about 10 lines of code. And then from there, developers can configure that to do a lot more. They can add their own custom stuff or they can kind of build off some of these basic features that are already here. With SDKs that enable developers to start building a lot easier, like our React SDK, this SDK that you're looking at here, and a couple of other things that we have coming, we're trying to kind of lower the barrier to entry to blockchain development. But it's really not blockchain development, honestly. This is more just application development. And I think that if we also want to, we want to onboard a billion users, right? So we need to provide a better user experience. We also want to onboard a million developers. And the only way we're going to do that is to provide a better developer experience. So a huge part of our focus is to kind of like, we don't care if it's blockchain or Web3 or, or, or whatever shit we're talking about. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we want to enable developers to build applications that are useful to people. Is it blockchain? Is it not blockchain? And again, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the use case. And I think that um, by providing better tools and better you know, SDKs and better abstractions, people can build out applications with properties that are maybe have specific to blockchains that things like Lens can be built on. But I don't think we should only market to blockchain developers. We need to market to every single developer in the world. So that's kind of it. I will stop presenting now and we'll take some questions. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I think this is really timely seeing what's happened to an app that's, that's very, a lot of people in crypto use, right? Like crypto Twitter is sort of like going to shit. Um, forgive my French. <laughs> and a lot of people are looking at other options. And, and you mentioned at the beginning that the key to mass adoption is to have like a better user experience than Web2. 
And and my my question would be like, what's the vision for Lens? Where does the NFT or the handle live? Because right now you have no other option than to use it with and through the the normal wallets, and that's not a good experience. Even the dispatcher like is sort of wonky, and sometimes you still need to sign for some reason. What's the end game that will make Web three social media or decentralized social better than? the regular web two? I think there's two things from the perspective of lens, but only one from the perspective of like blockchain and web three. And, and, and overall, it's it's definitely, in my opinion, account abstraction. I think account abstraction is going to unlock a lot of really high quality UX that we've never seen uh, in the past, mainly because you can allow people to do the things that they're already doing without tripping over themselves, trying to teach them a million new things. They can sign in with MetaMask or whatever if they want to, but they can also sign in with their, their with their Gmail account. They can sign in with their email account. They can sign in with an arbitrary sign-in mechanism that's decided by the developer. And then they can essentially not have to worry about all this stuff. It's kind of abstracted away. There still is an account on the blockchain that is controlled by that person, but they don't actually have to understand private keys and seed phrases. And, you know, account abstraction uh, not only is an easier way to, to sign in and stuff, but it also allows batch transactions, gasless transactions. It allows cross-chain, you know, uh, calls. It allows all types of stuff that is usually a very bad user experience. So, for instance, if you want to kind of swap a token on two different networks or, um, or if you want to do, like, a trade on a something like Uniswap, you have to first approve, then you have to sign again to, to, what if you could like batch those together? Like that's all made possible, I think, through account abstraction. So yeah, I think account abstraction is the future in general. Uh, for us, specifically at, uh, at Lens, we have a lot of things that we are working on that will also, I think, make the user experience more seamless, that solve a lot of the, the things that, that we were just talking about. And yeah, so that's kind of my take. That's fantastic. One of the things that is me the most is um, recovery, right? Because it there's so much built into it, and and you carry. I was quite amazed when you showed that you can just carry the followers to a different to a different social network that appears on top of Lens. But what happens if you lose the account? What happens if you decide to choose a MetaMask? Is that something that uh, that account abstraction solves? I'm not super familiar with it. Yes, how how would can, that be? You can do with? a lot of really interesting stuff with account recovery, like social recovery. Um, uh, you can think of account abstraction and in, in, in the way I, I would put it. Of course, if you could read a different definition from every single person that tries to explain it. But really, it's basically just a smart contract that defines the different things that can kind of like happen for that account. Um, so as opposed to just having a seed phrase and a private key that controls that account, you instead have a smart contract that controls that account. And within that smart contract, you can define uh, different recovery mechanisms. I think that that we're going to see a lot of experimentation this year. And I think we're going to maybe by the end of the year, see a few things that will actually work for this. That makes sense to the average person. I think social recovery is like when it makes a lot of sense where you define like two or three people that you can kind of say, Hey, um, these maybe are people that, that I will reach out to, to help me together, all, all of us together, recover my account if, if something, whatever malicious happens. Um, and then you can actually eject that other person or whatever malicious person got a hold of your account, they'll no longer be able to access it. You will. 
Uh, obviously, if you have money in there or something, it's probably gone at that point. But at least you can recover your account and, and uh, possibly even interject at an earlier time and stop transactions from, from flowing through there. So Beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay, so Andre has hey. a question for you. Hey, Nader. Thanks for the presentation. So following your reasoning here, um, you're saying that Web2 users, uh, uh, social apps are very ubiquitous. Uh, users are already familiar so that's the reason why you are going the social route with web3 however the value proposition that you are suggesting is that it's easier for content creators to use the same audience across multiple apps so this is not um, aimed at the users like the consumers of the content but the creators is that um, the case so that's one the, the first part of the question and the second one is seems like this value proposition requires that you already have an existing ecosystem of multiple apps that already have fairly large user bases in order to get this overlap of the of followers across multiple apps so can you address mm -hmm. this points please yeah i mean i think that there's a few other things that i'll speak to beyond that but first of all yeah you definitely need that ecosystem and i think we now as of yesterday, we did a tally and we have over 300 applications that have been built on Lens in the last like six months or so. Uh, out of those 300, I would take seriously maybe 100 of them. The other 200 are more like hackathon projects that haven't continued to, to be built or, or maybe uh, just uh, we just don't have enough insight to understand like what's going on with those teams. But yeah, I think like that's a pretty good value proposition. You create an account and you now have an account on like this entire ecosystem of applications that uh, are a lot of things that have like crossover between different applications. So for instance, you know, we have DMs on Twitter, we have DMs on Telegram, we have DMs on Instagram, we have DMs on TikTok. Um, one of the things that most of these applications are actually, all of them that implement messaging, they're using this protocol called XMTP. Um, where the messages are actually ported across every single application. So you can create a conversation on Linster, continue it on Butterfly, and then there's an actual standalone application that just is nothing but a messaging application that bundles all of those conversations into a single app. So it would be almost like if Telegram was putting all of your messages together um, on a single app. And a lot of people like think that's a very big value proposition. But but I don't think that everyone will. I think they're that I don't think that like social media is like a zero sum game. I don't I don't think of it as a positive sum game either. I think it's just more of a this is a better value proposition for certain things. Uh, it's not quite there yet for other things. For instance, again, the X is not as good for the first onboarding experience as something like maybe I don't know Twitter or something. I haven't signed up for Twitter in a while, but. Um, but yeah, like with Twitter, you have to just maybe use your email address and you're in, right? I, I don't know, like maybe uh, there's more steps to it, but but that's pretty simple for the average person. Uh, for the average person to sign up for Lens, they have to have a an allow list because right now uh, we have a waiting list for people to get in. Once they get through that waiting list, they then have to understand getting a wallet and then being on the right network and all that crap and, and then claiming their handle. So yeah, the, the barrier to entry sucks right now compared to Web2, but that's something that we're uh, you know removing the allow list at some point soon, providing better uh, onboarding experience for people that are not Web3 native 
And um, that's kind of a lot of the focus that we're, we're working on this year, along with scalability. Our scalability solution will, uh, you know, from what we've seen so far, scale to over 50,000 transactions per second. And it's done by experimenting with data availability. And it's pretty exciting stuff. And I think that, like, all these things together will be what we will have to just maybe put out there in the world and see what people say about it. Awesome. Thank you. Paul has a question or a couple of questions on content moderation. Paul? First one is, how does Lens ensure the safety of its users while maintaining the free speech principles? So does Lens protocol collaborate with law enforcement agencies such as police and FBI to address concerns about organizations that want to promote violence and in the society? How's that process, and if Lens has a team for that? And if you can provide examples, if you have done that in the past that you blocked or removed content from those harmful organizations. Yes, absolutely. This is like a very, very good and tough question and a good conversation to have, I think. And it's one of the most important things that I think a lot of people that are coming uh, with criticism for decentralized uh, protocols, period, have it's one of the more um you know i would say reasonable pushbacks against decentralization and free speech and, and stuff like that um but in my opinion well it's not just in my opinion like just technologically speaking the protocol itself cannot censor like there is no way to go back and remove uh, a transaction that happened it's completely free and open anyone can do anything you can go in there and you can say good things and you can say bad things and you can store hateful speech you can do whatever you want but we control the api so at the protocol level we don't control that because it's just a protocol and no one can control anything but at the actual application layer if someone's using our api we can go in and say oh this person um, is posting harmful content we're going to ban them we're going to censor them and then any application that's using our api is going to be prone to whatever decisions that we make they're going to be experiencing that. And, and let's say someone doesn't agree with that. Well, they can actually build their own API and expose the information that they think is, is relevant, that they think is fair. And then you have APIs that are competing against each other. And then the user interface has a couple of options at that point. They can choose to use our API or they can build their own API or they can use someone else's API. And then on top of that, they can even allow people to kind of maybe subscribe to their own different content moderation policies that maybe could be put in place. And and we're still very early in that like stage. Like I'm, I'm speaking theoretically on some of this stuff, but it actually true in other areas. So for instance, theoretically, we'll see other APIs. Um, we, we only know of maybe one or two other people building out APIs that are different than ours, but they are already happening. And we have actually gone in and, and had to censor certain people at our API level um, because of, of hate speech and stuff. So um, I think it, it's maybe the best of both worlds. You have the option, like for someone that lives in a country where they are worried that they're going to be shut down because they say something that their dictator doesn't like, they, they can still use Lens and have that data and, and they can build, you know, applications that allow them to kind of express their free speech without worrying about anyone you know uh, shutting that down but for a user let's say someone doesn't want to see that they can actually choose not to see that as well it would be like you know ethereum if, if i wanted to store 
hate speech on Ethereum. No one could stop me. All right, I right. get it. It's, it's kind of scary, to be honest, in, in my opinion. Usually, I mean, speech is one thing, but also I'm thinking more about violent organizations. Most of the social organizations didn't think about these issues at the beginning of their start. And now they have teams specialized for these. Those organizations usually use keywords, so you can need you can need even know if they're posting uh, some, you know, dangerous content, and they can use uh, this platform to coordinate. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. It's it's the, it's probably the toughest challenge uh, uh, for building out a social network is is moderation and also civil resistance. Those two things. Awesome. Thank right you. on. We have one more question from Jordan. Yeah, so this question involves a lot of like the new technology you had brought up around uh, count ex uh, abstraction, gasless transactions, and really high throughput. So my main question is, how do you view the ideal model for, well, maybe not the ultimate ideal, but but one scenario of an incentive model um, for an app like, let's say, Lenster to be able to, let's say, sponsor transactions for their users and do so in a way where, you know, they can maintain their organization financially? And then so, you know, provide, I guess, like economic opportunities to, to users and things like that. How, how do you take a platform that is sponsoring users' activities and make it something that is not, I guess, extractionary in the ways that current centralized platforms That's are? That's a very I, good question. Yeah. There's a couple of things that we have that will be shipping and, and rolling out and a couple of ideas and stuff that, that will answer those questions that are yet to be announced, but I do have stuff I can talk about like today, concrete examples as well. So like we have a lot of things planned that will allow monetization in different, in different ways that haven't been rolled out yet. Um, one of those that we have talked about is being able to monetize at the application level through the transactions that are flowing through a front end. So we have hundreds of thousands of dollars of transactions that are actually already flowing through the beta version. And these are real like real transactions, real dollars that are flowing through the beta version of this. We haven't even opened it up. And what an application developer can do is they can say, if you're using my front end, I'm going to set this percentage of a fee to transact through the network. So Apple, you might be used to using Apple. They have a fee of 30%. But we're looking at like the applications on Lens are looking at fees of closer to like 1%, 2% or something like that. But at scale... They can easily already, you know, be making. I don't know. If, I think we have one application that would would be making around ten or twenty thousand dollars a month already, uh, just in beta through those transactions flowing through their front end. And that's kind of one of the ways I think that we're going to see that uh, users mo uh, monetize, in addition to a couple of other things that we have rolling out. So yeah, like that's. I think that's one of the main ways that that I would say right now that someone could consider if they were to build on Lens. Like that, let's say you build out like the most popular mobile app, you get probably, even if you get like, I mean, I know this doesn't sound like that many, but let's say you get 100 or 200,000 users that is, or that is using your app. I mean, that's a, a couple of orders of magnitude less than obviously like another social media app that you might've used that has like, let's say a billion. If you take one order of magnitude less than that, that's 100 million. That's one less than that is, is 10 million, one less than that is 1 million, one less than that is 100,000. So you're like several orders of magnitude less. That would be enough to monetize uh, an application using that model, not counting the other stuff that we kind of have rolling out. So that's kind okay. of a hopefully 
Yeah, yeah, and and it's also really cool that all of the applications that build on top of Lens Protocol can extend the protocol itself to include new things that um, could have uh, like some sort of incentive model, so different types of NFTs or things like that. So yeah, there's um, there's some really really cool stuff like that 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 that's happening, and it's wild to see like the interoperability actually come to life. Because one of the things that I liked about Web three and blockchain when I first kind of understood what like what was going on was the interoperability from the perspective of a developer that has been building like infrastructure stuff at AWS, like, oh, like what if everyone could actually build off of each other's stuff? That, that, that was a cool idea, but nothing really was taking place at that time two years ago, like NFTs and DeFi, but, but again, the average person you know, with the UX barriers that were in place, um, it just, I didn't see any real world use cases that I thought were exponential and i think social uh, is maybe a like use case for these ideas and i think like as this tech is progressing we're finally starting to see some of this stuff happen and it's super exciting all right we've got time for one last question and that's going to come from max hey thanks so much for the talk i really appreciate it my question is how does lens protocol work internally like is it traditional hierarchy and like a startup lens or is it kind of adapting from co-ops and like has spokes etc etc just curious yeah so it was originally an idea that was spun out on twitter i think and the discussion was happening at the time i forgot the context that was there but but Stanny, the founder of Ave, proposed this idea. They ended up deciding to start working on it immediately at Ave, and they built it for like a year, and then they finally launched it. The officially launch on Polygon mainnet was in May, so it's been about eight months since the launch. Now seven months. Yeah. Anyway, in that in that range, seven eight eight ish months. And yeah, it started off as just like an internal like project within Ave, and now it's kind of its own thing. And um, there are some restructuring that is now happening because of like the growth and the future growth that we're planning to happen in Lens. But, uh, but it's still kind of like a company within the main Ave company, or I would say it's more like a team within the main Ave company, but that will probably change sometime in the near future. And there's uh, not that many people working on it, believe it or not. But we do have like a grants program that we use often to kind of, you know, get stuff done that is more of like you would consider like a contract basis. So if someone like uh, wants to do something or build something or we need something done, we might offer a grant. And then um, that's kind of like, you know, also what you consider a, uh, a temporary teammate. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sure. All right. Okay, so thank you so much for responding to all of our questions. We're very excited to see what is this protocol going to bring us. I'm very excited about the possibility of having like this, this one stable so social graph in which, on top of which I can move between different applications, different fads, different things that we cannot even imagine, like the burials of this world. It's, it's also like kind of scary to see that this protocol can also be built to uh, use to build things like that are like completely on the opposite side of the spectrum for content moderation as well right but like this is the same sort of debate that any decentralized platform has on the uncensorability and on the mutability of the platform and yes there are cryptocurrencies that are used for nefarious purposes 
and it is possible, yes, that these protocols will also be used for nefarious purposes. I wonder if there's anything else that we can do apart from just pushing or kicking the can down to the application layer to to do content moderation. But I guess like that's yeah. that's that's what we have, and it's exciting. I think like the best analogy that I can. I mean, this is this is how I look at it, and and, and I think that it, to me it makes a lot of sense. Is if someone like proposed the internet to someone in like 1990 or, or maybe let's whatever number of year would be like, let's say 10 years before it became like something that you, everyone understood the value of. If someone was like, "Hey, we're going to create this thing. It's going to enable like harassment virtually from anywhere in the world. It's going to enable extortion. It's going to enable." Uh, child pornography. It's going to enable illegal drug trafficking. It's going to enable terrorism. It's going to enable all these things. So let's build it. Like, what if someone came with that argument about the internet? Like, everyone would be against it because they're only talking about like all of the bad things that could come out of it. But today, if we looked back and we said, should we have built the internet, or should we have built the technology that enable like this this thing that we call the internet today? Like, the answer is obviously yes. And I think like that's kind of the way you look at technology. It's like, obviously, there's no perfect thing that's going to come out that has no downsides. There are tremendous downsides to, to what's happening uh, on the internet. People have been killed, and you can't even kind of like list the number of terrible things that have come out of it. But I think most people would still consider it a positive thing to have that. And I think that uh, you look at every technology, you try to evaluate the pros and the cons. And, and hopefully, if the pros do not outweigh the cons then the actual thing doesn't become built and i think like the same thing with uh with blockchain there are pros and cons but i do think the pros outweigh the cons um but but i also evaluate technologies that way in general and sometimes things shouldn't be built or used because there are just too many downsides you know thanks so much for me um it's been great yeah that was a beautiful analogy to finish thank you so much for being here have an excellent one Thank Bye -bye. you. That was great.